Texas. Uh, he's well-renowned all over the world. They know him in foreign countries, and uh, he has a great ministry, prophetic ministry. And we're glad to have him. He called me, and uh, he's in town, and I hope he's got enough energy left. He's been with 300 youth this weekend at a youth conference, and uh, so I'm praying that he has enough strength to uh, get through today. Uh, he said he's getting too old for that, but uh, it was a great time. He's also here because we have a Band of Brothers Conference, our men's conference, our national men's conference that's going to be in our Chalmette Church at, uh, at the end of October. And he's here setting that up. So he's a busy man, but he's not too busy to come minister to us. So let's welcome Pastor Joe Warner. Morning. Well, the Lord told me to toss this message and gave me a new one for y'all. So it'll be an interesting morning. I haven't shared this message I'm about to share with you for years. I haven't thought about this message for years. So it'll be interesting to see how it comes out. But if you got your Bible, go to John chapter 20. Good to be with you all. Carl's one of my favorite people to hang out with. Carl and Joey and I and Keith Tusi. A few months ago, we went to Arizona together. It was on our bucket list to go to Barrett Jackson, one of the biggest car shows in all the world. And one of them said, the bad thing about going there, it's like going to the ice cream shop with no money. Because <laughs> they cost, you know. 50, 60, 400, 500, 600,000 dollars, something like that. So I thought Mia was going to write Carl a blank check just because she loves her dad and was going to let him get anything he wants. It just didn't happen that way. And uh, we had a great time together for three days. We've wanted to do that forever. That was so much fun. And so we have that in common. And this morning I want to talk to you about um, uh, just one phrase for this message, and the phrase is, it's all good. No matter what's going on, it's all good. And I'm going to take you through this chapter, and I'm going to show you why it's all good. Is it all right to talk about the resurrection other than on Easter? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay, right? So John 20, verse 1, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already rolled away from the tomb. Now, you know, if you go read all the other Gospels and put all these different stories together, it said, you know, they placed Jesus in a tomb. I've been to Israel many times, ministered there many times, and seen many tombs. And the interesting thing about the tomb with Jesus is they put him in the tomb, and then they posted guards. Now, when's the last time you went to the cemetery and saw guards? Why would you guard a dead man? Well, in the natural, they thought somebody might steal the body away, so they're guarding against that. But it says, an angel of the Lord came down, sat on the stone, rolled it out away, and the guard became like dead men. What does that look like? Joey, come up here. 
I love picking on Joey. I, I prophesied who his wife was going to be. The good news was it was a woman. The bad news is it was an ugly woman. It was an ugly woman. And he's never gotten over that. He's never forgiven me for that, you know. But Joey, just show us what it looks like if, uh, if the guards became like dead men. What's that look like? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I got to do this. You got to do it. You want me to get on the ground? How, how many dead men fall down like that? <laughs> kind of looks like a gay dead man down there. I don't know. Maybe you ought to just go sit down. Just go sit down, brother. I, I can't handle this. Picking on Joey is one of my favorite things to do. Will you forgive me for that? I don't mean it, but. So listen, it says it was dark. And I don't know about you, but it's getting dark around here. There is a spiritual darkness over our country that I would not have believed was even possible. I would never have believed that boys and girls wouldn't know whether or not they were boys and girls. I have helped over 50 or 60 people come out of gay lifestyles. I've helped people study deal with their gender issues, and I'll tell you, they're not sexual issues, they're emotional issues. There's a great darkness over the land, and I am not going to celebrate LGBTQ, RSTU, VW, whatever it is, I am not celebrating it. It's rebellion to God. For you to say that I'm going to change my gender means that God didn't know what he was doing when he made you. And you go, well, that's not going on in the church. I had a man that served in our church for over 20 years walk in my office in Orlando one day, hand me his church keys and said, we're leaving the church. Six weeks later, I found out online the reason he left is he took his teenage daughter to have her breast removed because she decided she was a guy. There is wickedness in the land. And they're calling evil good and good evil. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the darkness. But I'm also not running from the darkness. I'm running toward the darkness because the light gets brighter. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So last week I had a lady come to see me, and she was a Mormon. Now, I don't know why they call them more men when really they get more women. You guys got to work. This is deep stuff, deep stuff. Joey, let me know if I'm all right back there, brother. And I'm telling you, when you deal with somebody that's been in that, that dead religion most of their life, there is a spiritual darkness over them. And I said before I started talking to her, I said, let me just pray for you a second. And I prayed that the God, that the Lord would remove the blinders from her eyes. Because you know what? The scripture says in Corinthians that people that are lost have a darkness over their eyes and they cannot see. They are spiritually blind. It literally means to have a blunt mental discernment. They can't discern what's right, and they can't discern the truth. And I prayed over her, and something began to happen, and I spent an hour getting her lost. Because you know what? You can't get somebody saved until you get them lost. And the gospel being preached today has no repentance in it. And so we got people praying little prayers thinking they got saved when there was never any repentance and never any change in their life. I'm convinced the church is full of believers, non-believers, and the biggest category is make-believers. If Jesus isn't walking around as Lord of your life, then you don't know him because he didn't come to be your friend. He came to be Lord. So the girls are struggling when you read this passage because there was a lot of darkness. They thought Jesus was going to take over and become king on the earth right then and there. So watching their hope dissolve before their eyes, watching him die, 
was the hardest thing they could ever imagine, and they lost all hope. People living in darkness have no hope. They have no hope. So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb, and the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him. He entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the faith cloth, faith cloth, face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb, and she's weeping. And she wept. I've been in a lot of situations where people have wept. I have seen people weep and weep and weep. When they lose people they love, they go through some horrendous things in life. There is a weeping in the land over the brokenness of people's lives. I mean a heartfelt, gut-wrenching weeping that goes on. People without hope have nothing to hold on to in their times of loss, their times of grief. I tell you, one day I got called to the emergency room, and this man, um, a father had died, and he was in his 60s, and he'd had a heart attack, and his car went right off the road, ran into a tree, and he died on the spot, and the man wasn't saved. So I go to the emergency room in the hospital, and they'd try to revive him. They couldn't revive him. And the lady that he'd been living with for 30 years jumped on top of the dead guy and was pounding on him and screaming, how dare him leave her alone? I've seen some crazy things in my life, stuff that people are going through. But I don't weep as those who have no hope. I have wept. I have suffered losses. I'm sure we've all suffered losses that we've gone through our days. The day my dad died, I, I didn't think I'd recover. And I've been by the bedside and watched people go through so many things. But I tell you, my grandmother was a glorious saint of God. And she had been in a coma for six weeks. And I lived 300 miles away. And it was Saturday, and I had to preach on Sunday. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go see Grandma. And I said, Lord, I, I can't. And so I went. I spent all night praying for her and ministering to her. And at 6 a.m., the doctor said she'd never open her eyes again. She rolled her head over and she looked at me. I lived with her when I was single. She used to sing gospel music on the radio. I sang her favorite hymns to her all night. She rolled over and looked at me and she said, Joey, thank you for getting me ready to go be with the Lord. But I'm going to go be with the Lord now. And I literally watched her spirit come out. And I wept with joy. I wept with joy because, you know, the day's coming when I get to go see her again. I don't weep as a person who has no hope. I wept for joy 
because no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more weeping. Grandma's with the Lord. Sing your favorite hymns in heaven. Now, I don't sing that well, and I thought maybe she left because she's tired of my singing. <laughs> you know, uh, during worship, I was sitting right here. You have one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. I mean, I could listen to you sing all day. Thank you for your worship. It was just absolutely powerful. And you know, there's a, there's a melody in you to the Lord. And the Lord wants to say to you, if you'll get into the Psalms, and you know they're Psalms, they are going to come to life to you on a level you've never believed before. And you're going to stand before this congregation, and you're going to open a Bible to the book of the Psalms, and you're just going to smile and say, I want to sing this to you, not read it to you. Sing it to you. And the voice coming out of you is going to bring healing to people. You know what I love about the Psalms? The Psalms. I love Psalms. David starts off, oh, God, don't you know I'm surrounded? They're out to kill me. However, <laughs> I know you're going to be faithful in getting me through this. And then he worships. And he always gets through. So Mary, verse 11, was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stopped and looked into the womb. And she saw two angels. I'm sure they looked just like Carl. One sitting at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus has been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. Who did they take away? Her Lord. Not just her Savior. Her Lord. In the kingdom of God, we have a king. And he's called Lord. And we bow to him as you would before a king. We call his name Lord. King of kings, Lord of lords, as you well know. Verse 14, and when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And she didn't know that it was Jesus. Do you know there are times that you've been walking through your life and the Lord was right next to you and you didn't know it was him? Because he said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. But sometimes we get our eyes off the Lord and we don't even recognize when he's standing right next to us. But he said he'd never leave us as orphans. I'm never going to be forsaken. I'm never going to be abandoned. It's impossible. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus. And Jesus said to the woman, why are you weeping? And whom are you seeking? Two of the greatest questions I think you could ever ask. I will never weep as a lost person weeps. I will never weep as one who has no hope. I weep sometimes because we suffer losses. But I don't weep as one who has no hope. We go through this life and we suffer losses. A few years ago, I was in Orlando and I was driving home from church. It was really late one night. And I'd been ministering to somebody that was really demonized and they were getting free and it was 11 o'clock at night. My brother lived on the other side of the city, and he had lung cancer. He smoked from the time he was like 12 until he was 58 when he died from lung cancer. And the Lord said, go to Rusty's house. I'm like, Lord, it's going on midnight. I really go to Rusty's house. So I'm driving to the other side of the city, and you know what? Horrible thunderstorm. And I get to Rusty's house, and I walk in. He stood up to greet me, 
and he fell over dead. And I miss my little brother. And I wept. Helped load my brother into a body bag. Had to do his funeral. But my brother got saved. You know, come to think of it, my mom got saved. My dad got saved. I've gone after every cousin I got, and almost all of them are saved. I pursued my uncles and my aunts, and almost all of them are saved. Because Acts says when Joe got saved and his household. So if you're saved today, you know what? you got a responsibility to your household. And I pursued. I pursued everybody in my household. I don't mean I just shared with them a little bit. I, oh, they got so tired of me. I had an uncle that hated God. He hated God because he only had one granddaughter, and she was out on a country road, and a deer ran out and hit her car and went through the windshield and killed her. And he hates God with a passion because of his loss. And you know what? I understand his grief of not understanding such things. But his granddaughter was a, a gloriously saved young woman. And I spent years going after my Uncle Paul. I mean years and years and years. And he lived in Illinois, and I lived in Florida, and it was never convenient. But every time he'd get in the emergency room or something, I would find a way to get back to Illinois. It cost me thousands of dollars to go back and forth and to pursue my Uncle Paul. But I was not letting go of my Uncle Paul. I loved my Uncle Paul. I used to work with John Deere. Remember, nothing runs like a deer. I used to work with him out taking care of tractors and all this stuff. He loved to hunt and fish, and he saw game everywhere. And because of my eyes, I never saw the game. I said, Uncle Paul, when are you going to take me hunting? He said, boy, the day I find a rabbit big enough for you to see, we'll track him. <laughs> and you know what? The night Uncle Paul died, I couldn't get there. And it broke my heart because I didn't know. See, it's not enough just to pray for my relatives. I had to love them into the kingdom. How many of y'all got strange and crazy relatives? If you're sitting by one, slip your hand back up again. <laughs> you might be pointing back there, but you're the crazy one of the bunch right up here in the front row. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> you know, people don't understand you, but the Lord does. And when the Lord made you, he didn't have a recipe. He just took a bunch of really good stuff and threw it together and put it in you. You don't even know some of the goodness of God toward you yet. You're full flavor. He's still throwing in a few spices. But the scripture says before it's done, the flavor of God in your life, the aroma of your life is going to attract many. Many. You're going to be like a Pied Piper. And if they don't follow you, you'll get behind them and kick them. <laughs> it's the way it works. It's the way it works. That's why you're limping around. You probably kick somebody. <laughs> so I went to do my Uncle Paul's funeral. And my cousin Julie, I led her to Lord when she was 15. Julie walked with God. She still loves God 50 years later. And you know what? 
Julie looked at me and we met at the funeral home. We were both weeping. And that night, I, I stayed up all night. How do I do a funeral from Uncle Paul? And the Lord spoke to me and gave me the scripture. He left the 99, he went and got the one. And he gave me a picture that he carried Uncle Paul home. And Uncle Paul got saved in the last moment. The Lord carried him home. Man, I preached his funeral with hope. God always goes after the one. I've still got one more uncle. <laughs> He's, he keeps moving and won't give me his address. He hasn't realized he's on Facebook. Mary thought he was the gardener. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. He called her name. He called her name. She turned and said to him, My boy, which means teacher. Do you remember the day that the Lord called your name? I don't care what else happens in my life. But on a Wednesday night, I'd never been to church before, not once in my days. I was 16 going on 17. It was the Wednesday before Christmas. I decided to go to church for the first time in my life. I didn't know what kind of church to go to. I just went to the closest one to my house. It was a four-square gospel church. And the pastor was preaching against the devil. I don't even know if I believed there was a devil. But he was up there on this little banister thing. It was about this wide. He jumped over the pulpit, chased the devil down the center aisle, out the back door, I mean, out the front doors of the church. And I'm sitting in the very back hiding, thinking, I ain't going out that door. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I never heard John 3.16. I didn't know the gospel. But in the back of that church, I felt I mean, I felt his presence was so strong, I couldn't stand up. And I fell in the back of that church on my face. And for an hour and a half, immersed in the presence of God and the love of God. In all that process, I got saved. I didn't get a little saved. I mean, I got saved. I started preaching the next week. He called my name. Do you remember the day he called your name? His sheep know him because he calls them by name. Man, just begin to thank the Lord where you're sitting. Man, Carl, he called our names. Man, I got born again. Every part of my life changed. In a moment, I have eternity waiting on me. I have an entire host of family members that I get to bring into the kingdom of God waiting on me. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm so tired of this earth and the stuff in this earth. I'm so tired of the wickedness of men. At the youth retreat this week, 286 registered students one evening, we were ministering on sexual purity. And there had to have been 100 little girls that went forward 
who had experienced some type of a loss in that arena in their life. And the Spirit of God began to minister to them, and they began to weep. It'll haunt me the rest of my days, the cries of those little girls. Weeping because they'd been molested, they'd been raped, they'd been abused. Weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. I thought, what kind of a society do we live in? That our little girls have to weep because of abuse. Seven out of ten women have experienced some kind of abuse. And I'm so sorry if it happened to you. We had to take all those little girls through the process of forgiving and releasing. But the sound of their weeping will haunt me all of my days. What kind of a society does that? I went to see Chad Cochran. Some of you know him, Jerry Cochran's son in Thailand. And had to drive six hours north of Bangkok and children tied in front of their homes for sale. I'm sitting on an airplane and I look across the aisle and there's a woman over there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, she's in the sex trade. She's going to Thailand to buy children to bring them back to the United States. And I thought, So there was an empty seat next to her, so I got up and went over there and sat down. You know, 16-hour flight, she ain't going anywhere. <laughs> and I tried to be nice, but finally just had to look at her. I said, what do you do, import-export? I said, what are you importing? She tried to give me some tourism. I said, you're importing children. She looked at me. She starts looking around like, who's listening to this conversation? And it was true. And you know what? She was unrepentant. And so I said as loud as I could, so let me get this straight. You're going to Thailand to buy children, take them back to the United States and make, some, make them sex slaves. Is that what you're doing? Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. The wickedness in our world is great. The darkness is increasing and increasing and increasing. And we have got to start speaking up and standing up. Do you hear me? I got in so much trouble one Sunday. I said, you know what? If you don't know what your gender is, you go home, take off your clothes, look in the mirror. If you're not sure, you call me. He called her name. And Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. I'm not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren. Say to them. Ascend to my Father, your Father, my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. You think they believed her? If somebody came to you and said, I saw a dead man, what would you say? In Guatemala, we've seen two people raised from the dead. Pastor's driving through a mountainous road. His truck went off the road, went down, hit a tree. His three-year-old daughter went through the windshield, hit a tree, died. Three days later, she was raised up. Indonesia, we saw a man raised from the dead that had been dead for two days. 
the supernatural God. I haven't even begun to see all the things I'm expecting to see. I've been to 34 nations. God is moving in the earth. Moving in the earth. I was in Israel. I keep having dreams about Israel and, and standing before the Eastern Gate, which had been shut for hundreds of years. And the Lord said, is he going to come down on the Mount of Olives and enter Jerusalem through the Eastern Gate? And so I stood on the Mount of Olives and I walked down to the Eastern Gate prophesying in my dream that the gate would open. And the Lord told me he sent prophets from all over the world to the Eastern Gate. And I was just one of them. Because the Lord's coming back and I know exactly how he's coming back and I know what door he's going through. So I'm in Israel and I'm, man, I'm ministering in this church. We're praying all for the Spirit of God to be poured out in Israel like he was originally. And so we're praying and we're ministering in this really old man. He came forward for prayer and he, he didn't speak English and he put his hands out and he had the tattoos from Auschwitz. And he had been in a death camp. And I found out later his wife and children were killed in that death camp. And he went, to, he went to the Jewish synagogue that morning. And he decided that God wasn't in the synagogue. And he's not allowed to go to a Christian church, trust me. But he decided that night he's going to go to what he called the missionary church, which was anything but the synagogue. So he shows up at this church where I'm at on that Saturday night. And he had congestive heart failure. I didn't know that. He comes forward in a prayer line. The Lord said, put your hand on his heart. And I put my hand on his heart. And he begins to yell because his heart was on fire. And God healed his heart. And he fell on his knees. And he threw his hands up in heaven. He said, God is alive. God is alive. And he got saved. Six months later, he died. But he made it to heaven. <laughs> but to see brand on his wrist and to think about how many millions of people were killed in death camps you go this is a pretty heavy message this is real this is what's going on stop being concerned about what you're going to eat or drink there's more to life than that people really are going to hell what are you going to do about your family? Pursue. They don't like me. I don't care. Man, I write them notes. I send them tracts. I pray. I fast. If I'm in the area, I skip my vacation and I go see them. I have a responsibility before God for my household. And I want to see them saved. So my brother still lives in Illinois. So two weekends ago, he discovered Ancestry.com. So he's filling out our family tree, and I am sure there are some monkeys somewhere in that tree. There are some crazy people in this family. And so he's tracing them all. Then he went to the cemeteries where they were all buried, and he made a list of all these different people. Then he and I went through that list, talked to other family members to see who was saved and see who was lost and see who was left. Because we're after them. And their household. 
verse 19. So it was evening on the day, the first day of the week, when the, door, the doors were open, when the doors were shut, the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst, and he said, Peace be with you. That's a good thing to say if you're a dead man. <laughs> Peace be with you. So I looked up that phrase. You know what it means? It means it's all good. It's good with God. Our sins are forgiven. It's, it's good with people because we've forgiven others. And it's good in here because I've received God's full pardon and condemned myself for nothing. All of my shame is gone. All of my condemnation, it's gone. It's all good. Get that in your heart and your spirit this morning. It doesn't matter what's going on out there. You can say, it's all good. Peace be unto you. Peace with God. Man, it's good with God. Peace with other people. I have no unforgiveness, animosity in my heart toward anyone. As I've been forgiven, I have forgiven. You know who the hardest person was to forgive? Me. Isn't the devil good at tempting you and then beating you up when you give into it? And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands, his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus went to them again, and what did he say? Peace be unto you. Now understand, when Jesus came out of the tomb, how many was it, Carl? Another five or 600 people came out of the tombs. You ever thought about that? You living next to the cemetery? Yeah, Uncle George just got up. How long has he been dead? 80 years? I've given this serious thought. You think they had to get back their life insurance? Do they sell the casket as used now? I, I, I don't. Yeah. Our church started in a funeral home, so you'll have to understand. We knew how to get down. People, people were dying to come to church. <laughs> can you dig it? I can do this for 30 minutes. Somebody say, stop helping Jesus. Somebody, please stop. All right. Our favorite worship song, Everybody Must Get Stoned. You have to think about that one. Okay. Peace be unto you. No matter what's going on, on the inside of you today, I want to say to you, peace be unto you. It's all good. Well, I don't feel good. You're going to get a new body. Get over it. How many of y'all want a new one? Mostly women raise their hands. Vanity, 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 vanity. You know, I understood this, but I have two teenage daughters, and there wasn't a mirror they passed that they didn't stand to look at themselves. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm looking good. I don't see myself in the mirror, you understand what I'm saying? Have you any animosity, unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody else? You gotta let it go. You gotta forgive. Peace be unto you. Now you know the story with doubting Thomas, right? He says, I'm not going to believe until I can put my hands in his side. And 
I understand doubt. I understand struggle. We've all had that, right? But look what Jesus said in verse 27. And he said to Thomas, reach here with your fingers and see my hands. Reach here with your hand and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. And I want to say that to you this morning. Stop all your unbelief. I wonder if God really loves me. I wonder if God's got favorites. Why does something good happen to them and not to me? Stop it. Stop all your unbelief. Stop comparing yourself to anybody else. God wants to visit the goodness of God in your life. Seek Him with all of your heart and everything you need will get taken care of. If you seek, seek to save your own life, you'll lose it. I'm 65, looking good. Don't be laughing at me. I know a brother when he's deceived. I've never been to the hospital a single day. Now, I should have been. <laughs> I never had an accident that I saw. I felt a few. The goodness of God over our lives. I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And you know what? Resurrected people resurrect others. And I've been resurrected. I was dead spiritually. I was in a tomb. I had no hope. I had no future. There was a big rock right in front of me. But the power of God came down and sat on that rock of sin and rolled it out of the way. And the Spirit of God came into me and I came forth out of that tomb. And I am not living in the tomb. Lazarus came out of the tomb, right? What did Jesus say to them? Unbind him and let him go. You know, you can get saved, but you can still be walking around in stinking grave clothes. You know how you can tell? You stink. There's a smell about you because you haven't forgiven. And when people get around you and you start sharing your bitterness, they're going, What is this smell? I thought you were forgiven. Why haven't you forgiven? Stinking thinking. What kind of believers are there? Believers, unbelievers, and make-believers. Resurrected people resurrect others. If you've been saved, if you've been born again, he who wins souls is wise. Are you going to stand before the Lord having never shared your faith? Bringing no disciples with you into the kingdom of God? Really? Man, I have so much fun sharing my faith. I'll tell you that Mormon lady the other day, man, she didn't, get, she didn't just get saved, she got saved. And she went out of that office, and she I mean, she went out of the office where I was meeting with her, and I was meeting with her at this factory. She went out on that factory floor, and she stops and she shouts out loud, Hey, everybody, I got saved. Now, they think she's nuts. The rumor at that place is if you meet with me, you come out nuts. I don't know what that means, but you know what I'm saying. Stop being unbelieving. Stop it. Believe the scripture. Jesus died to take your sin. You've got to repent. 
It's not enough to say, I'm sorry for my sin. You have to have godly sorrow that says, I'm going to turn away from my sin. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 29. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed or happy are those who did not see and yet believed. Who's that? That's us. Happy are those. Have I seen the Lord with my natural eyes? No, but I've seen the Lord. I have spiritual eyes. So this morning, I want to know, has the Lord called your name? And do you know it's all good? Just say it with me. Look at the guy next to you. Tell him. Man, it's all good. It's all good. Let's just bow our heads for a minute. You take a moment and just really examine your heart. If you don't have confidence that you're really in the kingdom of God and you've never really heard the Lord call your name, 